name of the Father, and Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. So there was a father and a son that were traveling to another village, and they were taking their donkey with them. And so as they were traveling, they had their bags packed, they're walking along, and they're just walking alongside with their donkey. And people see this old man and this young child walking along, and they start criticizing the, these couple because they're just walking along and they're not using the donkey. They say, look at these fools. You know, they're just walking and nobody's sitting on the donkey, nobody's even using this donkey. So they hear this and they're like, okay, so the, the, the father, the old man gets up on the donkey, so he can use the donkey as transportation. And the little child is walking along. So a little bit later they see this little child and they say, poor child. He's walking while this man is sitting on the donkey and he's comfortable, he's resting. While this poor little child, he's scrawny and he doesn't have any strength. And poor little child is the one walking. So they hear this and the father says, okay, we're going to switch. You're going to jump up here on the donkey and I'm going to walk. And they continue to walk and a little bit later the people say, poor old man, he's walking and he's old, he doesn't have any strength while the young healthy boy is up on the donkey walking. And so the the man says, okay, we'll both get up on the donkey. (laughs) And then they both get up on the donkey and they start going along. People look at him and say, poor donkey, he's holding up both of the old man and the young child. That's a lot of weight for him. And they're like, okay, that's it. They both get off the donkey and they start walking. And of course, they hear the very first thing that the people started saying all along, that they're just a bunch of fools with a donkey that they're not using. And it's a funny story to illustrate how it's really hard to please the world, right? If you're seeking validation from the world, if you're seeking the world's approval, it's nearly impossible to find. Because sooner or later, you're going to offend someone. Sooner or later, someone's not going to like what you're doing. Right? Christ makes this very clear in the passage today. Right? He says, We played the flute for you and you didn't dance. We mourned for you and you didn't lament. Right? There's no pleasing you. You're just not happy. You're not content. You're just bitter and it doesn't matter if we do this. You don't like it. If we do that, you don't like it. And he says, John came. He wasn't eating or drinking. He said he has a demon. Right? And then the Son of Man came, eating and drinking. You say, a wine-bibber, a glutton, a friend of tax collectors. And so... Either way, if we're eating or drinking, you're criticizing us. If we're not, you're criticizing us. At the end of the day, you're just not happy. Right? This is one of the most essential principles for us to understand as Christians. That the world is not never going to be happy with what we're doing. Right? And it's in vain that we work and we chase after society's approval. Right? And so many of us want that validation from society. And Naturally, that's a part of our humanity that we want to belong, we want to feel accepted, right? It's natural, there's nothing wrong with that, right? But when we seek that in all the wrong places, if we're seeking that from the world, the world is certainly not going to be happy because we're not going to do what satisfies the world and we're never going to find that validation from the world. And so at the end of the day, we're advised to just be true to ourselves, right? We're advised to be true to who we are, 
right? And even in our own personal styles, right? Of course we say our identity is in Christ, but that looks different among different people, right? You see so many different flavors of saints in the church, which is so beautiful. You see the ascetics, and you see the martyrs, you see the confessors, you see the preachers, you see the married, and you see the celibate, right? And even among a certain group of people, like among the monks, you see people like St. Arsenius, who didn't talk at all, right? And another monk, who later becomes a patriarch, and who's known for his preaching, we called him the golden mouth, St. John Chrysostom, right? And you see this whole spectrum of beautiful characters and personalities in the church. All because everyone was true to their personality and that came to life in Christ. Right? They didn't try to be someone they're not. They didn't try to fit the mold of society. Right? Now, that doesn't mean we're selfish just because we say be true to yourself and like stick to your roots. This is where you belong. This is who you are. And so a lot of times people hear that and they say, okay, you do you, I'm going to do me. That means I get to do whatever I want, whenever I want, however I want. I don't care about anybody else. Right? It's certainly not the case. And it's not what our faith teaches us either. St. Paul understood this. He knew that even though he was true to himself, right? even though he stuck to his roots in his identity as a man in Christ, right? He knew that he would have to accommodate for everybody else that he would serve. Right? There's a beautiful section in 1 Corinthians 9, verses 19 to 22, and he says, For though I am free from all men, I have made myself a servant to all that I might win the more. And to the Jews I became hmm, a Jew, that I may win the Jews. To those who are under the law, as under the law, that I might win those who are under the law. To those who are without law, as without law, not being without law toward God, but under law toward Christ, that I might win those who are without law. And listen to this, to the weak I became as weak, that I might win the weak. And I have become all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. I have become all things to all men. Right? I'm adjusting myself. I'm coming down to people's level, right? I'm accommodating to their needs. I'm not just standing here on my pedestal and saying, this is who I am, like it or not, deal with it, <laughs> right? And, and that's the sort of uh, identity talk that we hear out in the world, right? So when we say be true to yourself, it doesn't mean do it in a selfish or an arrogant way, right? And unfortunately, this is what the world promotes, if anyone's familiar with Shakespeare's Hamlet, it's a beautiful play. Like, and there's this amazing scene. It's um, in, in the first act and the third scene. It's whenever Polonius is giving advice to his son Loartes. Okay? And he's sending him off to university. Right? So he's going to give him some words of wisdom. Right? And what does he say? You know these famous words? To thine own self be true. Right? And it must follow as the night, the day, thou canst not be false to any man. Right? To thine own self be true. And it must follow as the night, the day, that thou canst not be false to any man. What does that mean? Yeah, the first part, to thine own self be true. 
Okay, it's old English, but I think we all get that, right? Be true to yourself. To your own self, be true. Okay, cool. That's great advice. Then he says, and it must follow as the night the day. So it follows just as the night follows the day that thou canst not be false to any man. If you're true to yourself, what will follow? That you will not be false to any man. Right? Just as the night always follows the day, what will follow if you're true to yourself, if you're honest with yourself, if you live with integrity, then you will be honest with everyone else around you. You will not be false to any other man if you're true to yourself. Right? Now that sounds like great advice. Right? And in the surface, we're all willing to buy into that, right? But what you might not notice is a little bit later, Polonius continues to give Laertes, his son, a little bit more advice. And he's defining what it means to thine own self be true. Right? What does that mean to him? And he's talking to him about making a name for himself. Right? Don't come down to other people's level. You know, you're a man of pride. You know, dig in your heels, stick your head up high, and make a name for yourself. Be true to yourself. Don't bend to other people because you're better than that. Right? And that's basically, I'm paraphrasing what the whole advice is all about after, to thine own self be true. Right? And so, you see that there's this small nuance in what Christ tells us and what the world tells us. Right? Christ tells us, be true to yourself. And the world also says, be true to yourself. What that means in a Christian sense is totally different from what that means in a secular sense. Right? To be true to myself in the Christian self is to find my identity in Christ. Right? It means to accommodate to the needs of others. Right? But at the end of the day, I'm not going to compromise my values and my morals for the sake of others. I know I belong to Christ. Right? I know that I was purchased by a price. This is what St. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 3, verse 23. He says, You are Christ's and Christ is God's. You are Christ. And Christ is drawing that parallel. Just as Christ belongs to God, He is the Son of God by nature. You are Christ. Right? A little bit later, a few chapters after that, in chapter 6, verse 19, He says, Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? whom you have from God, and you are not your own. Right? Nowadays, you hear all this talk about my body, my rights, my this, my that. That's nonsense to the Christian mindset. I don't belong to myself. As a single, and especially not as a married man, once you're married, you belong to God and your spouse. <laughs> right? But in the Christian walk, my identity is in Christ. Right? I can't just do whatever the heck I want. Just as this temple here is consecrated for a purpose. Just as this altar is consecrated for a purpose. can't just come in here and put up posters of Batman because I love Batman. Right? And I do love Batman and I have a couple of posters of him in my room growing up. Right? But that's not what this temple is for. Right? It's dedicated for a different purpose. Right? So, my identity is in Christ. I can't just do whatever I want with that. Right? that. That's not just to restrict me, but so that I can find meaning in where I belong. Right? Think of a very basic example. Right? Like, think of a pen or a pencil. 
what do you use it for? You use it to write. Okay? Imagine if this pen or this pencil had feelings and you're just using it to like hang up clothes or something stupid like that. You're like that's not what I'm for. That's not what I'm designed to do. Right? And so when you look at our own identity and we go out and we live in a way contrary to that, then we leave ourselves with so much emptiness. That's why so many of us lack peace, lack joy, because we're not staying true to ourselves. We're like a pen trying to do everything else but just right. You know? And so that means we're wired to love. We're wired to have a relationship with God. We're wired to serve one another. When we do that, we find our identity in Christ. And we don't care for the validation and the approval of society. And we have peace in that. A lot of times, we're tempted to put our identity in superficial matters. Right? We may be tempted to identify with our success. Right? Our success is what gives us a real sense of identity. And so what do we do? We invest in our work. We invest in an image. We invest in all of the money and the cars and the house and the clothes. Right? We might want to identify with our appearance. Right? That's what gives us a real sense of security. And so what do people do? You know, they waste their time with so much glamour, trying to fit this mold of all of the celebrities, the, the clothes, the makeup, the jewelry, all of that image. And what does it do for us? It leaves us empty. At the end of the day, whenever we try to identify with our name itself, right? Our career and our finances, you know, what's in my bank account doesn't define my value and my worth, right? And that's what God is constantly reminding us on a daily basis. He says, you are my son. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter where you go. Right? Just like the prodigal son, whenever he was sleeping with, with pigs, he was defiling himself. And at the end of the day, the father said, you're no less my son just because now you smell like filth. I still love you and you're still my son and you still belong to me. That's your identity. That's what it means when we say we're created in the image and likeness of God. That image is the divine DNA that will never perish. You can never alter that. You are still in the image of God. You might not act like you're in the image of God. And sometimes we don't. right? But at the end of the day, we're in the image of God. Be careful if you're always trying to seek the world's approval. right? And be careful whenever you don't find yourself clashing with the world. right? Because as a Christian... If you're living in the world, but you're not of the world, then sooner or later you're going to clash with the world. right? And if you're never clashing with the world, that's a big red flag. A lot of people like get frustrated that they're not fitting in the world. And I tell them, that's how it's supposed to be. You're not created to just talk the way the world talks, to listen to the same music that the world listens to to act like the rest of the world, to have the same values and morals as the rest of the world. So what do you think what is going to naturally happen when you talk differently, whenever you have different priorities, whenever you're willing to turn the other cheek, whenever you're forgiving your neighbor, when you're willing to go the extra mile, 
that's going to create some tension in, in your circles. Right? And so, if you're never living with that clash, what does that mean? You're just going with the flow that the world is doing. And I remember this saying I heard when I was little, always stuck with me. He says, if you've never met the devil face to face, it's probably because you're walking along his side. Right? And so, do I run into the devil on a daily basis? And if I'm walking in opposition to the world, then of course I'm going to notice that tension. Right? Friendship with the world is what? Enmity with God. So many of us are trying to befriend the world just to make our lives easier. And it doesn't work. It doesn't make our lives any easier. Right? And at the end of the day, we separate ourselves from God. And so, where do I identify? Do I identify with my academics, with my finances, with my appearances, with my image? Right? I look at social media nowadays, and it's so sad to see what it's doing to our sense of identity. We want to fit a mold. Like if somebody takes a picture and their friend is going to post it, there, there has to be like a 10-minute debate about if this angle is appropriate, if this filter is appropriate, if like you're going to do this or that, and then finally say, okay, it's good enough to post. Otherwise, I don't want people to see me you know, in that light. You know? And so, what social media is doing to our identity is very harmful, right? And when you bring that down to a personal level, I think about where I stand, how I identify myself, right? I can relate to the, the crowd that Christ is talking about here, right? We played the flute for you and you didn't land, dance. We mourned for you and you didn't lament. Or you can say, it doesn't matter. I'm going to continue to walk in Christ regardless of the way the world treats me. If we do that, it's going to cost us. If we want to stay true to our identity in Christ, it's going to cost us. It's going to cost us real courage. It's going to cost us some real boldness. We have to be content with who we are if we're going to stick true to who we are. And we all have our weaknesses, we all have our frailties, we all have our struggles. But at the end of the day, if every time we encounter those weaknesses and struggles and all of the insecurities, and we want to escape, we want to run to mask that with you know, whatever the world has to offer us, then we betray our identity and we only add to our struggles. Right? If you look at the lives of the saints, right, every time they stuck to the roots it costed them. It costed them because you're following in the footsteps of Christ. Right? And if you're going to oppose the world, the world is going to crucify you. Right? I'll leave you with a very simple example. We've all heard this example several times before. In the beginning of the book of Daniel, how does it start? Start with Daniel and the three holy youth, right? They're in the king's palace. And the head of the eunuchs is preparing all of this food for these, uh, these soldiers that they're training and preparing to serve the king. Right? And so they say, we have all of these delicacies, all of this good food and the, the wine from the king, all of this good stuff. So we're, we're going to fatten you up, okay, so you can be good little soldiers. 
right? Of course, Daniel and the three holy youths say, we can't eat the food that's offered to idols. We have a different diet. We're not going to buy into this. That's not who we are. We're not just going to eat what everyone else is eating, right? So relate that to the same way as responding to the world. I'm not just going to talk the same way everyone else is talking. I'm not going to join the gossip. I'm not going to look at all of these pictures that everyone else is looking at. I'm not going to walk in this path, right? So Daniel and the three holy youths say, we're not going to eat what everyone else is eating. Now, the head of the eunuchs was a pretty good man, and he said, okay, I see what you mean, but if you don't get big and strong, it's going to be my head. So you're putting me in a tough position. I know you have your own diet, your own identity, your own way of life, but I need to make sure you get big and strong, otherwise I'm going to lose my life. So Daniel says, you know what, I'll do a little, a little trial. Right? Give us 10 days. Just give us vegetables to eat for those 10 days, and we'll see what happens. And so for 10 days, they stuck to their roots. Right? They claimed their identity and said, this is who I am, I'm not going to budge. And you know what that did for them? Every other soldier was probably mocking them. Right? I mean, I'm sure they were tempted to eat meat. Like they're sitting at a table, everybody's got steak and filet mignon and sirloin and this and that, and their mouths are all watering, and they got broccoli to eat. Right? It's tough. That's sacrifice. That's real sacrifice. But at the end of the day, what happened? Ten days later, and who looked more radiant? Who looked stronger? Daniel and the three holy youths. Right? When we stay true to ourselves, when we're true to our identity, that I'm going to fast, I'm going to pray, I'm going to turn the other cheek, I'm going to step away from the gossip, I'm going to step away from all of these negative influences. It's only to our benefit. See, the world wants to fool us to think, this is what's going to make you happy. Right? If you do this, it's going to make you happy. If you do that, it's going to satisfy you. It's barely even satisfactory to our instantaneous gratification. If anything at best, it's just a momentarily satisfaction. But the real eternal joy is when I root my life in Christ. Right? When, when I live for Him and I live for my neighbor. May God give us the boldness and the faith to walk in His path unto Him who is due all glory forever. Amen.